Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to V Brown Bag. Tonight, we are wrapping up our NSX series with Britton Johnson. Uh, he's going to cover v NSX Cloud and HCX tonight. Uh, before we get started, though, I'm going to do a couple of housekeeping notes as I skip past my slide. Um, this is an interactive show. If you're in our live, uh, live audience tonight, feel free to ask questions in the Q&A box on Zoom, not the chat. Q&A, please. Uh, if you're watching and prefer to use Twitter, use the hashtag VBrownBag. I'll be watching that as well, and we'll relay your questions to Britain. Also, a reminder that we have multiple show times, so check the schedule there on the right. If there are any that work better for your schedule, maybe you're in a different region, be, be sure to check those out as well. Um, so without further ado, we're going to move it over now to Britain. Let him wrap up in style here. So let me stop my share. Okay. Go ahead and take it away, Britain. All right, give me a second to get rolling here. I'm in a completely different spot than I am usually used to being on. So let me get this going. Okay, you should see slides. Yes? Sorry, yes, we do. Thank okay. you. All right, good. Just making sure. I don't want you to be on the wrong page. All right, welcome everybody um, to episode four um, of the NSXT V Brown Bag series. Um, thanks to Ken for the uh, invitation and motivation to do this on V Brown Bag. It's been a lot of fun, um, been a lot of work at the same time, but it's all good. Um, and, uh, and, you know, side benefit of this is I will, I will now have know, four plus hours of content to deliver to my own customers. So um, it's all, you know, or it works on many levels that the Brown Bag does. Um, also, uh, I have like two presentations in one to kind of get through tonight. And I'm, I'm going to try to get through the uh, NSX cloud stuff as quickly as I can, because the HCX thing, I really want HCX to be the star of the show tonight. Because, um, you know, Every time I've been a part of an, a, a you know discussion around things, HCX has always been sort of sidelined as a footnote conversation, and it really deserves a lot more than that because there's so much power to what it can do. Um, so I want to kind of you know, bust through some of this stuff here really quickly and and get get to the HCX, which is to, you know the meat of the content. But the NSX cloud stuff is important as well because you know as I've tried to focus on throughout this whole series. Um, you know, a lot of this is focused on NSXT version 2.4, 2.5, and the 2.4 version is specifically still the VCP NV exam focus. So a lot of the stuff that you'll see here is 2.4, 2.5 ish. Um, I'm working with uh, potentially Chris Williams to schedule a bonus V Brown bag um, on NSXT 3.0. So that is forthcoming, but we'll, we'll get that working, get those details worked out at some point here. All right. So. I'm going to dive through the NSX cloud stuff and then we'll get to HCX and then um, try to, you know, answer questions as we, as we travel. Um, quick agenda on the NSX cloud piece. You know, we're really just going to look at some challenges, do a real good introduction to it. Uh, and, a, you know, a, as a, I'm going to dive deep as quickly as I can because um, I'm not going to, I don't, I don't want to side shirk this, but I do want to like give you as much information as, you know, is really I can get in a short amount of time. So, Challenges in hybrid cloud. So when we're talking about the cloud, you know, obviously key challenges that we're trying to address, you know, are, you know, different platforms, different vendors, different everything, right? So, you know, we've got, you know, uh, companies who do, do cloud on a hybrid basis where they've got, you know, uh, their own on-prem things they want to extend into the cloud. Um, you know, there's lack of visibility into the traffic flows. Um, you know, and then they really feel like they should be, you know, oblivious to where their workload is. Like that's kind of the, the end state that like a lot of enterprises want to deal with is, you know, they want to not necessarily have to, you know, pay attention too much to where things are. Um, that's, that's kind of the, you know, the end state of things, right? Um, I should be able to, you know, just put security policies along the workloads immaterial of where they're hosted. Um, you know, and then at the same time, you know, we want to, the, the, the developers, you know, they kind of want to want an IT staff out of the way just so they can do their stuff. You know, and that's, that's the biggest draw to public cloud providers is, you know, developers can just swipe a credit card and, you know, buy a data center um, and, and just get that instant access to what they need. 
So, you know, but obviously presents security challenges and that's what we're trying to get into, you know, what NSX Cloud is. So this diagram should be pretty, pretty much, you know, summarize the vision for NSX Cloud. You know, the goal is to provide consistent networking and security for applications. Um, you know, we think about NSX Cloud as an extension of NSX features for public cloud. It's not a separate product. Um, you know, when you have NSX loaded in your on-prem environment, you already have 90% of what you need, you know, for NSX Cloud. Um, the, the advantage of NSX Cloud is, you know, it's already, NSX in your on-prem environment has already abstracted the physical on-prem network through logical networking constructs. You know, now it comes down to replicating the same for the public cloud. Um, you know, visibility is key here as well. We're, you know, providing visibility across clouds for traffic flows. Um, you, can't, you can't secure what you can't see after all. Um, you know, and, and then providing that consistent security policy framework and having a unified security policy across on-prem and public cloud, um, creating logical topologies for your on-prem network, then you know, there can be APIs to port things from on-prem to cloud. Um, you know, when we'll, we'll get to that here in a minute. Um, so in part of this, you know, you, the way you kind of define security in an NSX cloud is you create, you know, security policies using, you know, network security groups, um, just like we call them in NSXT and on-prem. Uh, network security groups can be constructed with dynamic attributes, uh, such as a you know, virtual machine name, uh, based on the location of the VM, based on user-defined custom tags, tags at, such as what application is running in it, um, you know, et cetera. Um, you know, NSX can learn about the tags, bring them back into NSX Manager based on these tags, and you can create some security groups and apply them into NSX Manager. You know, Azure has limitations where, you know, as such where you can, you know, have only one, you know, network security group per VM. Um, you wouldn't have any problems like that with NSX Cloud where, you know, you can have a superset of network security groups with NSX. All right. You can, let's see, if, if you're creating a network, it is different, from, you know, from one public cloud vendor to the other. Um, if you're in AWS, uh, you have VPCs and subnets and availability zones and whatnot. And, and with Azure, you have VNets and, you know, the various, you know, nomenclature that they all use. I mean, you know, Google Cloud, and it's all, it's all different, different stuff that you got to learn and name and understand what, what, what's talking about what. So, you know, a lot of customers today, you know, they don't necessarily want to extend their layer two networks into the cloud. You know, but they want to have the option to port policies from on-prem to public cloud. Um, you know, it doesn't mean that, that they're not taking layer two network and extending it to the cloud, but, but you know, that is in, um, in uh, NSX Cloud 2.5, this is something that is uh, capable now where we can actually do that layer two extension out to, out to public clouds if somebody actually wanted to do it. Uh, but in general, we, what we've seen is customers are fine with, you know, just layer three connectivity uh, routing between public cloud and their on-prem system. End-to-end -end visibility. So visibility is, is one of the key things that, that's, you know, NSX is really known for is being able to see things, you know, especially pairing it with, you know, V-Realize Network Insight, um, where V-Realize Network Insight is, you know, public cloud capable where we can plug into AWS, we can plug into Azure, um, and we can see, you know, what's happening, you know, in the environment, you know, through Network Insight, as well as, you know, you can do, you know, port mirroring inside of NSX Cloud, um, and you can do trace flow and kind of get a peek into how packets are flowing. You know, all of these, you know, start getting complicated once you move into the cloud, but, you know, this is one of the other things that, you know, as you grow, grow into your public cloud usage, NSX Cloud kind of gives you some visibility that you don't get from the cloud vendors by themselves. So these are the layers of NSX Cloud. Again, it's sort of this, you know, pretty much the same idea of, of how NSXT for on-prem works. You know, we have the management and control plane, data plane. Um, the piece that we're adding sort of into the middle here is this thing called the cloud service manager and the cloud gateways. The NSX manager and the NSX controller cluster aren't really anything new if you're an existing user for NSXT. Um, for public cloud connectivity, you, you know, the piece that we add in is the, you know, the cloud service manager. Um, once you provide your public, public cloud credentials, man, that's a mouthful to say, um, you will be able to view your cloud inventory from the cloud service manager. Um, 
and then the management and control plane get deployed on-prem just like NSXT for the data center. Assuming you have IP connectivity to Azure, you know, a site-to-site VPN or an express route or something like that, um, you can manage your, your VNets running in the public cloud via NSXT and NSX Cloud Gateway. And then, you know, the first step is, you know, deploying your NSX Cloud Gateway in your VNet. You can think of this as a gateway as an NSX Edge, um, but it has been customized for running inside of the Azure environment. Um, it is not packaged as an OVA, but is actually packaged as a VHD, so the, the Azure version of an appliance. Uh, the VMs that you deploy in Azure will then have the NSX data model. Um, when you run in the Azure environment, you don't have to act, you don't have access to the hypervisor like you would in on-prem. Um, so we've brought <clears throat> we've brought the data path into the VM as an NSX agent. Um, and this is actually a piece that's changing as we go forward into um, NSXT or NSX Cloud rather 2.5. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about this in a second where we actually can do things agentlessly inside of um, you know, Azure uh, for providing security without having to do that additional step inside the virtual machine in Azure. Awesome. Okay. On the cloud service manager, you have a manager and controller which is sitting on-prem in your data center. Uh, for cloud, you need to deploy an extra VM on-prem, which is the CSM. Uh, we provide an IP address, then CSM goes and registers itself, and it you know, will pull out the inventory of NSX respective you know, to your cloud environment. Um, the CSM, you know, talks to the NSX manager on one end and the cloud provider at the other end. The, the entire um, system is then managed from the cl cloud service manager for the NSX cloud, you know, environment. When you see a VPC, you can, you can say, you know, deploy a gateway. And then it will go ahead and call the respective APIs and, you know, it'll basically, you, you know, NSX kind of orchestrates that stuff for you in the environment. That's so it's awesome. Kind of, so I see it says provide provide unified view between NSX state and public cloud inventory, meaning I can manage both in a single interface. Does that mean I have some, I don't know, capabilities that extend from what one network to the other between on-prem and my cloud? C correct. And that that's probably you know the, one of the bigger pieces of this is where you know the the view that you use to build policies and build you know security you know, infrastructure components in NSXT and on-prem is effectively the same view you use to build those same things and then just apply them to Azure or apply them to you know, AWS. So it's, it's giving you sort of that, you know, hate to say it, single pane of glass, um, you know, view where you can, you know, manage your policies and manage your environments without necessarily having to learn a whole other vendor's way of doing things. I'm just going to call it a single glass of pain instead. <laughs> uh, there's a guy in my team who had a really good other way of saying it. I can't remember how he did it now. I'm going to, I'm going to talk. Can't remember or can't say it. I can't uh, remember. Family no, friendly I, I, can't, I can't remember. <clears throat> so on the public cloud side, since, you know, virtual machines are running on a hypervisor, which is, you know, obviously not controlled by, you know, you or VMware, um, you know, it's controlled by the public cloud vendor. Um, you know, we have no idea what software is being used to run that hypervisor. Um, you know, that, that's where, you know, in, in their version of virtualization, it's, you know, they have, they've abstracted the hardware away from us. Um, so we can't load software in the hypervisor if we don't have access to it. So the way we kind of get around that is to move the data path, you know, which is generally in the hypervisor, into, a, into an agent form factor um, and allow us to, you know, manage that connectivity outside of an, you know, again, we're, we're, we're almost like doing, you know, inception here a little bit where we're kind of, you know, layering a, a virtualization layer on top of a virtualization layer and, you know, allowing um, that traffic to, to move within the environment. So the public cloud gateway, you know, is our NSXT edge package with some modifications. Um, there are additional services which we run inside the gateway for it to work on cloud deployments. Um, you know, the way it works is agents are expected to only talk to the public cloud gateway from a security perspective. You know, this is a good design because no one wants a VM to talk to a component, which is outside of the cloud environment. 
just going to skip through some more of this. There's just too much detail here to go through. Uh, the other piece of this is on the NSX cloud agent, for the public cloud agent is we kind of refer to this now um, with the native enforced mode that we have. There's also this thing called NSX enforced mode. Um, and that's, that's where you're running this agent inside of your virtual machine on, on your public cloud virtual machine. Um, so let's see, I think I'm getting lost a little bit of my notes here, sorry. So it is through these agents, which you know we, which are present in each VM, that we you know enforce distributed firewalls. And if you're creating overlays, if you're creating a, lo a logical topology, you know all of that encapsulation decapsulation will happen at the agent. Um, and you know, talking about security being better in, on an agentless model, um, you know we keep we always try to say move into the hypervisor, but scenarios like cloud where you don't have access to the hypervisor, you have no choice but to move it into an agent until. And then a 62.5. Um, so when an agent comes and registers itself for the gateway, we actually validate with the cloud provider, but calling, you know, the API by calling the API calls. Now this is how we have zero trust architectural approach. Um, a lot of thought has gone into establishing the authenticity by putting checks and balances between the communication that happens between the agent and the gateway. So here's the new piece. Um, you know, with native native cloud enforced mode, you know, we define security policies in NSX based on virtual machine attributes, tags, NSX groups. You know, sound familiar if you've been listening through this whole series, you know, that's how we do the same thing with NSXT, you know, in the data center. Um, you know, translates NSX policies to native cloud security policies to the best extent possible. Um, so, you know, and it gives customers a choice, you know, who, who don't want to install NSX to tools, you know, or the NSX agent in their virtual machine in the public cloud. Um, and it allows us, you know, some competitive advantages there as well. So here we look, you know, kind of the, the two different, you know, security modes in NSX cloud, uh, you know, this is sort of the last piece that I wanted to highlight, you know, where, you know, in the native cloud enforced mode, you know, gives you that common framework um, and, and allows, you know, again, the agentless ability to, you know, apply security to your workloads, um, you know, versus the NSX enforced mode, um, where, you know, depending upon how you want to build those policies, um, you know, you install the NSX tools agent gets deployed in the VM and we run, we run things through there. So if you're, if you're, a, you know, if you're a customer looking at NSX cloud and wanting to see how we do these kinds of things, you know, obviously talk to your lower, your, you know, local NSX SE, if you need more detail about this, um, you know, there's a lot more information to this, but I wanted to try to just cover this at a very surface level um, because I wanted to save plenty of time for HCX. Any questions anybody has, let me know. So that was that one. That was really quick. Yeah, a new land speed record. Congratulations. Oh, and I, I could feel it going fast, and I'm sorry if that was a horrible presentation, but, um, you know, I got I to gotta get to the, to the meat. Okay, let me take a drink of water again. No, no water breaks. Go now. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> and I got to keep muting because I don't have my noise gate, so I can't just do it on the fly. All right, VMware HCX. Um, so, all right, I skipped the introduction of me because I was trying to cut as much time on the first one as possible. So, you know, for, for anybody who's new joining this presentation, um, my name is Britton Johnson. I'm an NSX solutions engineer in the healthcare sector. And part of this uh, reason I want to do this one is I'm, a, I'm newly a part of a internal VMware team called the VMware HCX majors. Um, what are the majors? The HCX majors is a crack team of VMware super soldiers that specialize in hybrid cloud connectivity. Um, and they so, all look and, like that. Exactly. So, you know, and, and I like to say this, this, this picture that I had my wife make, um, you know, even, even Steve Rogers is impressed with what HCX can do, you know, so. 
So, you know, if you're working with, with anybody, this is a nationwide deal. Um, we've got almost 30 of us in the team. Uh, we're spread out all across the U.S. And, and I think only U.S. at this point. I don't believe we have any in, uh, EMA or APJ yet. Um, but for now, you know, if, if you have, if you're a customer and you have deep questions about HCX, talk to your VMware account team and have, tell them to ask for the HCX majors. We are here to help and we're here to, you know, kind of further information and get the right information to customers about how HCX works. So what we're going to run through, um, some basic use cases and overview, uh, services, installation. I have a little bit of a demo that I'm going to show and we'll talk through the, the anatomy that makes up HCX. And then of course the resources page. Um, so always, you know, check the VMware product page for HCX. There is a hands-on lab out there. The hands-on lab is actually really, really good. Um, it, it steps you through all the processes and there is even some click-through demos of the uh, OS assisted migration. Um, and we'll see more about what that is. Um, and of course, you know, there's lots and lots of stuff on Twitter about HCX. Um, you know, HCX is quickly becoming a very large expanded portfolio of, you know, it's, it's not a portfolio of products, but it's, it's probably today, um, you know, one of the bigger add-on components to VMware NSX, um, you know, with, with uh, the NSX Advanced Load Balancer quickly coming up behind it. So HCX overview. Um, so HCX is the platform that will enable you to leverage an SDDC framework to move workloads across multiple landing zones. What does that mean? Um, so that means, you know, as is shown in the graphic here, you know, we want to, again, further abstract, you know, hardware from the underlying software and networks that they, they sit on. And that is across, you know, legacy vSphere and, and older operating systems. You know, if you're if you're upgrading data, modern data enterprise data centers, if you have an older version of VCF, you want to move to a new version of VCF. Um, if you're going to, you know, a cloud provider like you know someone in the the VMware Cloud Provider program, um, or going to you know VMware Cloud on AWS or um, you know VMware Cloud on Dell EMC or whatever you're moving towards, um, you know the idea is to provide that ubiquitous connectivity uh, between any destination. So migration, of course, is the first and most popular use case, you know, but HCX is not a one-trick pony. Um, HCX is a primary component of customers who are going through the software-defined data center journey. Um, you know, for those customers that want to adopt cloud, cloud migration data center evacuations is the top use case, followed by disaster recovery and, and you know, data center extension. Um, but there's, you know, multiple things that we have seen customers do with this beyond just migration. Um, you know, and the rebalancing part of this is becoming a, a large focus of what we do with it uh, because we're seeing as data centers and workloads expand and grow, um, things don't necessarily just stay in one spot anymore. So here's kind of the, you know, the fear questions that, that come up when you're going through these considerations of, you know, workload mobility and migration and disaster recovery and all these things. You know, you know, what, what about compliance and, you know, um, you know, do I need to notify owners of applications? You know, do I need to re-IP my workloads? Um, you know, cloud adoption challenges conflated with cloud migration challenges creates analysis paralysis and numbing fear. And the last thing we all need right now is more fear. Um, you know, so the big considerations in the way we've been migrating, you know, ha has, hasn't really changed in the last, you know, 10 or 20 years. Um, and I think a big point that I like to make with customers here too is that D disaster recovery planning is not migration. Um, you know, migration is one thing, disaster recovery planning is another thing. Um, they are two separate and defined exercises that enterprises have to go through. Um, you know, and, and there's not a lot of tools out there that combine both in a simple, easy solution, um, and, but that's where HCX is trying to fill that. So the services side, um, today HCX delivers core capabilities to automate workload migration through HCX Advanced, which is available as an included tool set uh, with VMware Cloud AWS and NSX Enterprise Plus. Um, so that's, so the way we say that is if you own NSX Enterprise Plus or if you're a VMware Cloud on AWS customer, you, know, you get access to HCX Advanced. It's part of the package. Um, and HCX Advanced allows customers, you know, building SDDC stacks, you know, using uh, VMware Cloud Foundation or VM, VMware Cloud AWS 
you know, it allows you to, you know, activate these, you know, internet interconnect services that allow you to do that vMotion live migration, bulk migration. Uh, you can retain IP address schemes with network extension, um, and then, you know, do some of that disaster protection and recovery planning. Uh, and, and we have, you know, the WAN optimization piece of it in there as well. Um, if you're going across, um, you know, large distances. Um, the, the one kind of licensing note on this is the advanced license that you get with this uh, allows up to three concurrent source vCenters um, versus what, what happened, you know, enterprise, the next level up gets you a little bit more. So this is sort of the art of the possible. Um, all of these, you know, migration data movers enable multi-cloud as much as they enable, you know, a single cloud move. Um, you know, this brings together technologies, you know, from, you know, yeah, moving from legacy to, K, you know, or, or KVM-based moves from legacy vSphere into, you know, again, new data center areas. Um, you know, it's just a glimpse of how some customers are, are leveraging, you know, many of these features you know, going from multiple pods, multiple landing zones, you know, in multiple locations, um, sometimes supporting, you know, multiple layer, multiple applications and multiple layers of applications, you know, and they're moving workloads, you know, based on the requirement of the application and the use case that they're trying to fulfill. Um, so what we used to do, and this is sort of a, you know, how things were before HCX came along, um, you know, in the past, you know, we would go in order to go from one subscription service to another, or even to go, you know, if, if you're going from, from one tenant inside the same public cloud to a different tenant, you know, so if you're going from AWS to AWS or from Azure to Azure, um, you know, a lot of times you do a inter-cloud migration, which is, you know, part of what HCX is also bringing here as well. You know, you had to like bring these workloads down back into the on-prem data center and then swing them over to somewhere else. Um, you know, and it's not a very efficient way of doing things, you know, it takes a lot of downtime. Um, and, and really what that probably means for most customers is they just don't do anything. Um, you know, so, so what we're trying to change with this is then building ways so that customers can take, you know, from one VMware solution, you know, to the same VMware solution, maybe to a different provider, um, and enabling that seamless transition to go back and forth, um, you know, depending upon where you want your workloads to live. Um, and we could do that independent of the local data center itself existing or not. Um, so if you're floating between, you know, clouds and tenants on different coasts of the country, depending upon, you know, access and what your, you know, where, where you need things to be, um, you know, the HCX is there to kind of build that on-ramp for you to get from one place to the other. In HCX Enterprise, you know, this is the add-on license level uh, for HCX Advanced. So again, if you own, you know, v, if you're a VMware Cloud Database customer, or if you're an NSX Enterprise Plus customer, you know, you get, you get the advanced level. Enterprise enables, you know, different features. Uh, so this is where we get the non-vSphere bulk migration, uh, the large-scale live migration, optimized disaster protection, migration planning, and specific traffic engineering for the, you know, um, packet, packet flows themselves. All right, this one takes, there's a lot of detail here, so give me one second. While you're pausing, I'll ask a question, somewhat related. I heard a rumor that HCX was born out of the ashes of vCloud Air. It was a project that was part of that effort at VMware. Yes, I meant, to men yeah, I meant to mention that. Um, so that was part of the vCloud Air product set. Um, it uh, was basically the one, as far as I'm aware, the one holdover that we did not sell when they sold off that platform. Um, and, and clearly, you know, a good reason too, because I mean, there's a lot to it here. So this, this I like this slide because when I'm talking through customers about what the differences are, this kind of lays it out in a really easy to kind of consume fashion to see like what exactly you're getting. Um, so, you know, on the cold migration side, you know, this migration method uses, you know, VMware's NFC protocol and it's automatically selected when the source virtual machine is powered off. Um, you know, cold migration, it's a lot of it, it's, it's, you know, it is what it is. You power it off, you move it over. You know, it's, it's almost not like just, you know, moving a VM within 
a cluster from one cluster to another. Um, not a lot of fancy stuff happening there. Um, the HCXV motion, this migration method uses, you know, the standard VMware vMotion protocol to move the virtual machine to a remote site. Um, the vMotion migration option is designed for moving single, a single virtual machine at a time. Um, so the virtual machine state is migrated, you know, there's no service interruption and, you know, it, it allows you to go through. So that's, that, this is probably the biggest thing that, that customers ask is like, okay, well, I, I want to migrate from one data center to another more than one machine at a time. How do I do that? Um, so that, that's always the follow-up question to that. But so I'll, I'll get to that in a second. Um, bulk migration. Um, this is, this is the method where, you know, VSP replication protocols move the virtual machines to a destination site. The bulk migration option is designed for moving virtual machines in parallel. This migration type can, can be set up to, can be set to complete on a predefined schedule. So, you know, if you're doing this in, in within a 24 hour, you know, maintenance window or something like that, you could kind of pre-build your schedule of, you know, I've got this set of machines. I can take them down at this time. They can start moving at this time. You know, you set it up for two in the morning, you know, and then you just have to wake up at two in the morning and watch it happen. Um, and then of course, you know, once it runs, you know, the service interruption, you know, moves and then, you know, they reboot when they get to the destination and that's, you know, it, 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 there's, so there's a tiny bit, it's the downtime equivalent to however it takes those machines to reboot when they get to the destination. Okay, so the large scale live migration um, with zero downtime. So this is the replication assisted vMotion. Um, so replication assisted vMotion, um, you know, it combines the advantages of the HCX bulk migration with, of parallel operations, resiliency and scheduling with the HCX vMotion zero downtime virtual machine state migration. Uh, this is where we're in parallel replicating up to 100 virtual machines in the background using vSphere replication and then executing the vMotion or coppering, you know, the memory state um, you know, for those 100 vMotions. Um, and because of the way this works, um, yes, it is vSphere to vSphere only. Um, we can't go, you know, from a different platform to this. This is, you know, you know we see this a lot for customers going um, from a legacy data center into a new data center. A quick question from the audience. Ryan is asking, how well does replicate replication assisted vMotion with enterprise do with Oracle and SQL databases? or should I say SQL databases, anyway, uh, with, with databases and with moving with no downtime, asking for a friend. <laughs> um, I have not heard any stories yet of anything happening specific to any databases. So how's that for a political answer? Um, so, you know, un until I have heard of a customer who's had an issue, you know, I, I will say it worked flawlessly because um, we've had some major, major, major enterprises um, utilize the, this particular feature to get from, you know, old data centers into new data centers and do it without, you know, without issue. Um, I, because this is a public forum, I'm not going to mention any customer names, even though some of them, you can go back and watch um, some of the VMworld presentations where we've done them in hand, hand in hand with customers, um, where they talk about how they did this with HCX. So I guess that would be my you know, public answer um, is go, you know, go look at the VMworld videos from last year uh, around HCX and the ones specifically that involve customer testimonials um, because they will talk through this and, and to tell you in more, you know, candid detail than I can here. Awesome. Yeah, what I took away from that is I could just uh, bulk migrate my databases with no planning, shoot from the hip and be perfectly fine. Thanks. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say it that way, but you know. Oh, okay. My mistake. But I guess it just depends on how, how uh, confident you are in your job's stability. <laughs> All right. And while we were, uh, you know, chatting, we have another question that came in. Uh, is NXXT a uh, requirement for HCX for networking bridging between sites for the VM network? So, yeah, hold that question. We'll get there in a minute. All right. Uh, once I get into the architecture and stuff, we'll, we'll, get, there, we'll, get, we'll get there. Um, should have hopefully plenty of time for that. Uh, non vSphere bulk migration. So this is kind of the next secret sauce of HCX. Um, 
So uh, this migration method, you know, provides for the bulk migration of guests, you know, non vSphere virtual machines using OS assisted migration or OSAM as we like to call it um, to vSphere on-premise or cloud-based data centers. Um, you know, and again, this is with the enterprise HDX license. Now we do this by installing an agent in the guest operating system called the Sentinel. Um, and the Sentinel leverages, you know, different field appliances that are bound or, or applications that are bound to the limitations of what the hypervisors offer. Um, so, you know, this is mostly what we've seen customers do this successfully with is Hyper-V. Um, you know, it, it does a minimum level of disruption, uh, but there is, um, as we kind of look through this a little bit more detail here, um, going from obviously from one hypervisor system into vSphere, um, you know, and this slide's a little bit missed, a little bit confusing because, you know, it's showing VIO as the destination. VIO is just an option. Um, it's not a requirement by any means. The piece that's missing in the middle here, though, um, in order for the OS assisted migration to happen, you have to have what we call a minimal vSphere SDDC environment built. Um, so it's basically, a, you know, what we've seen a lot of customers do is build just like a two node cluster. It's sort of a swing cluster that, that runs, you know, vSphere on it. Um, and we move to that environment. And then from there, we vMotion um, into the target environment. So that's sort of, sort of um, the simplest explanation I can give for how OS assisted migration works. It's really not unlike how the old VMware converter application used to run on the desktop. It's not unlike how that works, um, except running at a much larger scale. Uh, for the optimized disaster protection, you know, HCX is integrated with SRM and all the protection groups and all the recovery plans. There, you know, those are still going to be maintained by SRM. Um, SRM will maintain the orchestration and the order of the virtual machine, who starts up when, um, you know, and any pre or post scripts that need to be run. You know, all of that's going to be managed by SRM. HCX takes care of the mobility of the virtual machine itself, you know, the, the stretching of the network, the managing in the network space. Um, you know, and, and, you know, the idea here is to not have to do that in a bubble, you know, as part of a modernization effort, um, you know, and, and, and going from one, one system to another. Uh, so we'll let HCX handle, you know, all of those kind of pieces and components that, that SRM doesn't necessarily do by itself. So to do a lot of that, uh, for, you know, for migration planning, we, we set up these things called mobility groups. Um, you know, it's a logical way that we address a group of virtual machines and setting up a, what we'll call a migration wave. Um, this is something that you know, reduces the complexity of the exercise of, of migration and helps customers with the, you know, the different members and figuring out who needs to go where and when. And you know, of course you can, you know, do these, these um, filter out, you know, things by VLAN or tag or name um, and build on those groups to, to say, you know, who's going to go when. And you can also mix and match these, you know, so the group can contain different virtual machines that, you know, have different migration types. Um, you know, we see a lot of customers doing migrations by network or by virtual machine expressions or names. Um, and this is something you can filter on, on that as well. You know, it's, it's considered a logical grouping. Um, so if you have, you know, apps that are dependent on each other, you can, you know, put them in a mobility, in a mobility group and then, you know, and, and still, if those, if those apps still have different SLAs, but they're grouped together, you know, well, you can, this is how you ensure that all those things that need to move together, move together. So part of that is we build these, you know, workload mobility profiles. Um, you know, in, in the profile, you set up a template for the whole group and, and, and you know, you click, you click on this and set up, you know, individual rules of how you want to replicate the workload. Um, each one has its own set of dependencies and requirements. Um, it's just giving you the option to set up a template versus setting up individually. Again, you know, it takes, you know, this is, you know, different for different use cases. Um, you know, so in a three, like a three tier, three tier application, you might have a different SLA requirement for your web tier versus your app tier versus your DB tier. Um, you know, so it's, it's not always about that, but, but having the ability to do it again, hundred machines at a time um, is where these kind of come into play. Another good thing about mobility groups is the you know ability to have a consolidated report on these migration waves when you set them up. Um, so when you want to look at into it, individual members or the overall migration wave, um, you know see which ones have already moved, which are still in transit, which ones might have failed. 
um, and then the ability to restart individual members instead of having to restart the whole thing all over again. Um, so again, it's providing you know a level of visibility and operational ease as you go through you know an obvious challenge of migration. Okay. Some installation scenarios. Um, so first, you know, first and foremost is, you know, HCX and NSX. Um, you know, the question comes up, um, you know, what are, what are the NSX requirements? Well, they, I don't know, we'll show this a little bit again in a minute, but the, the base NSX requirement, you know, because it's HCX, you have to own NSX to get HCX. Um, we require NSX in the destination environment, and that is NSX V or T. They're both supported today. Um, you know, so you know if you're doing you know an on-prem to on-prem environment, which is typically where we see you know this type of deployment done. Um, you know, having like Cloud Foundation as the destination, you know, will extend you know from VCF you know into the, the legacy data center and use NSX as the networking components on the destination side. Um, you know, and, and, and even if there is NSX on the source side, you know, we, we'll, we'll, we can read that and, and understand, you know, where those things are. Um, but, you know, it is not a requirement that you have to have NSX in the source side. HCX for VCF, so client Cloud Foundation, uh, you know, HCX is the preferred choice for migration into Cloud Foundation as it is supported natively. Um, you know, its ability to take legacy workloads and assist in the migration to, you know, the modern SDDC platform that Cloud Foundation is, um, you know, makes HCX, the, you know, the obvious choice for moving, you know, into Cloud Foundation. Um, you know, and that's, you know, as you, as, as, as more vBrownBeg sessions come up with Cloud Foundation, I know you guys are going to do a couple more at least. Um, and I'm sure this might come up a little bit more with, with what Kevin and Heath are going to talk about. I'm sure it will. Uh, why don't you uh, give me a quiz to quiz them on, you know, after the show, pass me a few questions. We'll see how they do. Well, you know, Heath claims that he's the expert in HCX, so. Oh, if only he was attending tonight. Yeah. yeah. Get his opinion. <clears throat> so much for brothers. All right. Uh, inside joke, everybody. Sorry. So HCX is available as part of the VMware Cloud and AWS offering. Um, you know, it, it's, it is not turned on by default. You have to enable it, but once you enable it, you will be able to leverage it to move workloads um, from your on-prem environment into VMware Cloud and AWS. Uh, here's the thing that kind of comes up a lot is, um, and I need to kind of build this out. You know, do you have to have um, a, you know, a single management view to be able to migrate workloads? So say you've got, you know, an on-premises data center, and, a, and, a, or, and then another data center, be it you know, VMC and AWS or something else, um, you know, do you have to have them you know, in hybrid linked mode in order to use this? So the answer is no. Um, you know, we, it, HCX is, the, is basically building that bridge for you. Um, so you don't have to set up those external links and connect those vCenters to be able to move these things from one side to the next. So HCX for multi-cloud, you know, and, and this is with where we, you know, HCX is designed to be that mobility platform that allows you to migrate workloads, you know, from any cloud, any device, and then, you know, that whole any, any, any story, um, you know, and this is, this is, I think, kind of the, the, the eventual end state that, you know, a lot of enterprises are going to get to where, you know, I don't think a lot of people are there yet, um, but we're going to get to the point where, you know, stuff is just moving, you know, all the time, um, you know, based on you know what's happening in the world. Um, so we'll, and as and as hardware costs change and as services change and as as the world changes, I mean, I think we're going to see more of this in the next ten years, where um, data center, you know, data centers being this static place where workloads live is just going to be a thing of the past. So the kind of general process that we run through when we're setting up HCX, um, it's a fairly, you know, 
straightforward process to install. Um, you know, obviously, as we show here in the destination, you know, yes, we have NSX in the destination. It has to be configured to a, to an extent enough where um, we have overlay network capability in that destination site. Because um, if you, you know, don't have you know an overlay network set up, you know that that's what HCX uses to stand up its connectivity between sites, and it is what we, we want to use a construct that we can recognize. And, and happen in software. So it's really just a matter of, it has to have that ability there to get to the next step. Um, and we'll deploy these, you know, HDX managers, you know, the, the cloud side is what we call the destination side, the connector side is what we call the source side. Um, and these are, you know, the, this, the, that we, we deploy the destination side first, and then out, out of the destination side, you get the OVA download for the source side. You know, because there's a security certificate that gets generated um, on this on this the destination side. After that, we go through a process we call site pairing. Um, we build you know, compute profiles on both sides. Once we have the pairing established, we enter this hybridity state, which is an actual word. I looked it up. Um, and then, Wait, after which we, dictionary we, was hybridity in? <laughs> It's on the internet, so it's got to be right, right? Oh, okay. Well, then yeah. that explains everything. Yeah. So in that hybridity state, this is where you choose the services that you want to use in, you know, uh, in the, what we call the service mesh. Um, you do not have to use them all. So if you're doing this inside the same data center, you obviously don't need the WAN optimization turned on um, unless you're going from some, you know, 10 megabit per second connection to 20 gigabit. Um, so I mean, generally speaking, if you're in, in internal data center, data center moving, you can leave the WAN optimizer turned off. Um, you know, otherwise, if you're going you know, across, you know, halfway across the country, uh, as some of my customers are, um, you know, the WAN optimizer um, is a necessity at that point. After that, uh, you, once, it, once those have been all deployed, we'd, we'd you know, turn on the service mesh, and then we have our, our network um, extended over. You know, if you want to do layer two extension, um, you can. Otherwise, you can. You can also just do routing. Um, and then once 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 the service mesh is fully up and available, then you can begin the process of setting up the migration and then moving your workloads from magically from one side to the other. It's a fun little animation. That was fun. Yeah. All right. Here is my demo, and yes, it's a pre-recorded demo. I'm cheating. I'm sorry. Um, hopefully, you can see this okay. Yeah. So, so in the demo here, he's already deployed the destination cloud side, and we're going to set up the site pairing between the cloud and the connection source side. And this is just giving you an idea, kind of how easy this is to to kind of step through this process. So you know, we're logged in to the HCX manager interface itself. We go into administration and we're gonna import the, the security certificate from the destination side into this, the source side. And then, so there's a management interface to HCX and there's also an integrated view within vSphere itself. And so we want, now we've got kind of the security certificate there. We can set up the site pairing. So we've got our source side in uh, the, or this is the destination side. So the destination side of the New York data center. So we're gonna connect to the remote side, which is the destination. And we do use the uh, single sign-on authority with the, from vSphere itself as well as part of this. And that is pretty much it. We have established the site pairing. So after that, now we can go through and start building your compute profiles on both sides and you know, begin the process of setting up the service mesh.
All right, next big section here is the anatomy of what makes HDX. All right. So the HDX appliances, like as it says here, is you know everything's always deployed in pairs. Um, you know, and you can pick and choose which services you want to enable depending upon what the requirements and the use case are. Um, of course, the, the pieces that you have to have is, you know, on the destination side, the HCX Manager Cloud, um, and on the source side, the HCX Manager Connector. Um, you know, those are sort of like your NSX managers, as it were. That's, that's the interface that makes it all happen. Um, you know, without those, you don't have anything else, but everything comes from them. Um, you know, the uh, HCX IX is what we term as the interconnect appliance. Um, so if you're looking through documentation on HCX and you see these kind of shorthand uh, things, you know, this is what it means. IX equals interconnect appliance. Uh, you know, HCX WO, of course, is the WAN optimization. Um, HCX NE, of course, is network extension. And then we have the Sentinel, which is the um, agent that gets loaded on a Hyper-V VM or KVM VM um, that you're going to do a uh, hypervisor OS system migration on. So the H6 manager, again, provides the framework for the whole thing. Without it, you've got nothing. And, you know, it sets up, you know, the, the ability to move to, you know, to understand VMs at both the source and destination site. Um, you know, it, it sees your vSphere environment at both sides, you know, lets you pick and choose and set up all the different profiles that you need for your network extension um, and the compute profiles themselves. Um, so in, 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 a, in a nutshell, this is where you start. And again, it does have, you know, a plugin context menus for vSphere itself. So you can manage it from with inside of vSphere. There's a management interface that you sign into on port 9443. Um, and then there's also the built-in actual operator area inside of uh, vSphere. Uh, but there's also a standalone operator interface. So if you're doing this in, a, in an environment where, um, you know, you're managing the, the migrations, but you don't have access to vSphere for some reason, um, you know, you can do it in a standalone view as well. And again, this is where we set up the environment of abstraction for setting up those compute profiles service mesh and network profiles and everything that makes it makes the secret sauce happen. So again, kind of stepping through the process here a little bit, um, you know, we deploy the HDX cloud on the destination side first, which is just a single OVA download. Um, and then you, you know, will update it and activate it. And you know, HDX is activated, you know, like a cloud service. So you actually have to, you know, put in your license key um, and it will activate, um, you know, within uh, the sort of sort of like a software as a service, um, and we track that, that. That's sort of how we track the activations of how it, you know, fun functions. Um, and then once you have, you know, the the cloud side done, you can start pairing up your source side vCenters. And then the the, the one to one thing here to note is yes, there is one HCX manager per vCenter server. Um, so if you're going to be moving, migrating multiple sites and consolidating things down, um, you know, each site or each that has its own dedicated vCenter gets its own um, HCX manager deployed to it as well. And then, you know, with this again, those, those, you know, because we don't require those the disparate environments to have their own connection, you know, those distinct environments will become paired via HCX and again, not through vCenter. So you don't have to have that already connected in some other way. All right, so some considerations here. Um, again, the HCX cloud destination side you know, one HCX cloud in every deployment, and it's got to be there. That's where everything, you know, is, is kind of going to in your environment. Um, you know, it has to be run 
you know, in a supported current vSphere edition with NSX. Um, and, you know, it can be the target for site pairing and can pair with other cloud systems. Um, and it's licensed, of course, based on the environment that, you, that you're going into. So after we've paired the site, we then stand up the service mesh that makes up the data plane. You know, and this is where you're selecting, you know, the different service components for the interconnection and web optimization and um, all of those various components that make up the service mesh. And again, this is a pick and choose kind of process that you go through where you can, you know, turn on the services that, that you need on the fly. Looking kind of in a close, close up view of the interconnect appliance itself, um, you know, the, the interconnect service, you know, it enables the bulk migration service and replicates the system v motion um, and HDX v motion. Um, you know, it, it uses the HBR v motion and FC protocols. You know, and this is the core, probably the core component of what makes HTX actually function. Uh, form factor wise, you know, it's only eight vCPUs, three gigs of RAM, two gigs of disk. I mean, it's not, a, not a lot. I mean, and this is why, you know, when we were, when we were deploying this across customer sites, I mean, um, I've, I've yet to see um, a resource contention issue be an issue with a customer because um, it's, you know, all of these little appliances are very small. The WAN optimization piece, um, you know, again, optional, it just depends on the use case and whether or not you need, need it or not. Um, you know, accelerates that, it accelerates the, the packet flow between, you know, far and desperate spread apart sites. Um, and again, fairly small on the footprint side, you know, eight VCPUs, a little bit more of the RAM, um, you know, but again, is optional based on the work, the use case. The network extension piece. So this is where, you know, we get our ability to extend layer two networks from your destination side into the source side, or rather from the source side into the destination side. So you can keep that IP addressing um, the same, um, you know, and it enables the, the virtual machine migration without having to re-IP everything um, and can keep things rolling. Um, and this is, one of the one of the key things too that makes the uh, um, live migration with zero downtime a possibility as well because you know your in the end your network gateway doesn't have to change um, you know you can move the machine to a different system entirely um, but that network extension service keeps everything running and again a fairly you know small footprint there as well. So the uh, OS assisted migrations, uh, I mean, again, you know, we deploy the, the Sentinel gateway appliance in, into the environment itself. And then, you know, and then on, on each workload machine that's going to get migrated, we'll load the agent directly on those. And, you know, again, we bridge those through that, you know, minimal data center, uh, vCenter environment where we can kind of do the conversion into v, to a vSphere environment and then move them on you know, into their final destination. And again, that's a fairly small footprint for those components. All right, so the you know probably one of the more key components when you're deploying HCX is getting the computer compute profiles configured. Um, you know, this is what you know HCX services are understood about what gets deployed. Um, the compute profile, you know, is what tells uh, HCX between the two sites after the pairing is done, you know, which services to turn on, networks to extend, um, you know, network, uh, network back, back end network, you know, switches to connect to, you know, be it, um, you know, logical segments on the NSXT side or even, you know, distributed port groups. Um, and, and it, you know, effectively tells HCX, you know, how to do its job. And the, you know, the flexibility of this, I mean, is, is really good because we can move from, you know, one platform to another without really having to you know, worry about too much of, 
you know, is it going to work when it gets there? Because when you go through the, the, the procedure of building these compute profiles, you know, we sort of go through a checks and balances process that ensures that as things are happening, you know, we're going to verify and validate that what we need is there and what we need is present. So on the, again, this is sort of a architectural view of sort of how HCX does what it does. Um, you know, we do sort of take this command and control methodology um, where, you know, the source and destination environments, you know, have to have that connectivity, you know, back to the cloud host. Um, and, you know, so we need, you know, some internet accessibility because we track, um, you know, what, what, what machines were going where um, to, to understand, you know, what's happening as, as things are migrating to make sure that things are going, you know, where they need to be. And this is, again, part of the software as a service piece of this, um, you know, where we provide updates uh, from that command and control source. So, you know, anything that comes down into your environment, you know, we're going to push updates into, your, in, into HCX, um, much like a, you know, general cloud service operates. All right, so here's the, this is one of the important ones I wanted to get through. Um, and we're kind of wrapping up here right on time. Um, the, deploy, the deployment workflow, again, you know, we install HDX Manager at the target site, um, you know, after you've downloaded the OVA, and then HDX initial configuration, you go through the appliance management interface and on port 9443. Um, you activate and register the local management systems. And then from within that, you download the HCX client link. And so that environment is where you've done, you know, you take that OVA, copy it over to your destination, the source environment, set up your compute profile in the destination, install and configure HDX manager from that link in step two out at the source site, do your initial config, and then trust the target HCX system. That's what the security certificate that we downloaded from the destination. We create our site pairing, the compute profiles, create a service mesh, and then register the site pair. And then pretty much after that, you're off to the races of starting planning your migration. Um, you know, this is something that, you know, we in the HCX majors program, we do part, part of our, our you know, charter is to help customers um, you know, roll through POCs of this. Um, so this is something that, that we do with customers a lot. Um, so if, if it's something where, you know, you guys want to, you know, are looking at a migration project and you want to be able to kick the tires on this, you know, reach out to your VMware account team. Um, and then by through them, you can get access to the HCX majors and we can start to kind of plan these, you know, proof of concepts out and understand, you know, what, what, what the use case is and what the scenario looks like and help you get a good idea of, you know, whether or not HCX is going to work for you. Um, you know, and, and in most cases, I think, I think it will be a really good fit. Part of the, the process of going through a POC and going through, you know, any sort of a deployment, especially of a networking product is understanding um, the port maps and how things go. So this is one of many diagrams that we have. Um, and, I've, and I've actually got, um, a fill-inable sheet that looks like this for a, for a POC or for a customer deployment. So, you know, you know, the customer can go through and they can fill in, you know, who they're using for DNS and NTP and all this stuff. Um, they can fill in their source and destination side information. And you can put all this stuff on paper in a document or digitally in a PDF um, and, and get a good picture of what your migration is going to look for even before you deploy, you know, the first HCX manager appliance. Um, and, it, and it just sort of gives you that thing to refer back to as you're going through this process of understanding what's moving where. Um, and, and again, this is, you know, and, and especially if you're doing this in a really secure environment where you might need to open up, you know, ports on a WAN on an edge firewall for certain services, um, you know, this is going to call out all the different ports that we need um, to make sure that things are open and connectivity is there, um, as, especially if you're going across internet boundaries. And here's just kind of a, a, a bigger, deeper example of that, um, you know, for all the different various ports and things that are happening. Um, 
So again, if you want, you know, your own copies of these, you can reach out to the VMware team and we can get you some of these. So that is really it. Um, thanks everybody for your time and thanks Ken for hosting. Um, any other questions coming up out there? I don't see any right now. I'm going to give folks one last chance to put a question in the Q&A box. And while I do, Britton, thanks. I learned a lot tonight. HDX uh, goes way deeper than I ever realized and learned a lot during yeah. the whole series. Thank you very much for that four-parter. Uh, yeah. Like I said, we may be getting one more bonus episode, but this is the end of the series as planned on NSXT, so it's been very educational. Uh, we are going to see a bit more NSBU content uh, coming up in May. We're going to hear some VCF stuff, and we're going to also from not from NSBU, but then we're also going to hear a little bit more about VRNI and NSX over ACI fabric. Um, but that is going to do it for the NSX series. Uh, no question, but Ryan says thank you very much for putting this on. It's going to help with their HCX journey. So, all right, awesome. Yeah, thanks very much, Britton. Have a good one, yeah. and we'll talk to you again sometime soon, hopefully. Sounds good. All right, good night, everyone.